Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. All right. So now, 46th ward alderwoman Angela Clay, alder person Angela Clay, uh, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Hey everybody. <laughs> I said this earlier, but happy almost pumpkin spice season. It's in the air. Happy first Tuesday, Maya and Ben. How you feeling? Doing good. Other than this gout that just won't Baby. Leave so uh, a revelation. Number one, uh, this show is being recorded and we dropped in the Ben Jarofsky podcast. So uh, just so you know, you're allowed to swear, but it's going to be on the podcast. <laughs> uh, if you swear, no one cares. Uh, special shout out to the legendary Helen Schiller, uh, one of the few people in the city of Chicago who's been here maybe longer than I have. So God bless you, Helen Schiller. Um, always been a fan of Helen Schiller, even if we don't agree on absolutely everything. Uh, so I guess that's a good point, uh, as any to start, uh, Angela, because in so many ways, your career is a continuation of a movement that began before you were born. Uh, that began with Helen and Mark Zalkin and Corley Cohen. I can go on and on, getting teary-eyed just thinking about some of them. Uh, so why don't you just start uh, by talking a little about your roots, your origins in this political movement uh, that really began with Helen and Mark, et cetera, and so forth, and that led to you being elected, uh, when was it, last uh, March, was it, or uh, April? April. April, yeah. Uh, as an alderwoman. So take it away. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people think that I had this big idea to be an alder person. I didn't, you all. I just come from a deeply rooted community that keeps its people at the forefront. And growing up in this ward, if you don't know the history, we are rooted in uh adversity, affordability, diversity, you name it. I tell people what happens at a larger scale on the city level happens here first, right? Uptown, the 46th Ward, we are the home of 
figuring things out. Um, and then from that, we then expound it throughout the city to make sure that other neighborhoods have the same resources or the same pipeline to success. So I grew up just around a bunch of amazing neighbors who Saturdays were picketing days, <laughs> right? You would go out, you would find, you were always a part of a movement. And so for me, that was just in my blood. I went to an amazing uh, elementary school right across the street, Joseph Brenneman, shout out to Brenneman Bobcats. Um, I then, my, my grandmother was super heavily involved in Voice of the People, which is a non-for-profit that started in this ward over 50 years ago. And so, you know, we call, we call ourselves babies of the movement, right? Because again, we grew up with a community that you had to have a sitter because your parents or your grandparents were going out to go and knock somebody's door down, right? And so, Growing up with that kind of energy around me, it was a no-brainer to just continue the fight of making sure that our neighbors had what they needed. Um, I truly appreciate the roots that I have in this ward because being in this seat now, you see how much that truly is needed, that consciousness that's connected to community. So I went to high school, shout out to Uplift Community High School. I started to organize there. My first taste of organizing was with a group called Voices of Youth in Chicago Education, Voice. Um, and it was there where we were figuring out why were our peers dropping out of high school. Uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, the dropout rate was 50%, which meant myself or my classmate, one of us was not going to make it to the finish line with a high school diploma. And it was going to be me <laughs> because my parents didn't play. But that also had repercussions for my seatmate. So uh, we just started to organize with the organization of the Northeast that is now One North Side. It feels like if you're in the 46th Ward, you have connections to One North Side. So shout out to them. Um, and they basically took me all around the city, organized with COCO, with STOP, uh, with BPNC, and really utilizing our power and our energy as young people to ask the hard questions. Um, from there on, when I graduated, I said I was done with politics or organizing. I thought that I wanted to be a lawyer. That didn't pan out. Uh, and so I studied public policy. And that was really where I got my really big eye-opening moment that this goes deeper than just organizing. This is embedded in our policies and our procedures and who is speaking up on that avenue. So study public policy, went on to become the youngest president of Voice of the People, which was a full circle moment. Um, and then I'm a product of affordable housing, you all. I'm like the poster child and I love it because by the time I left affordable housing, I was paying over $1,300 in rent, right? And so when people say affordability is free and they are piggybacking off the government, I'm here to say that's not true, right? <laughs> the city of Chicago is expensive. And with that, you need to have things in place to make sure that if you are ready to elevate to the next level, that you can do that in a community that wants to support you and have access to great jobs and transportation and the like. That 148 saved my life, right? So this has been a, a well-rounded moment that has been in the making for over 20 years now. Uh, before uh, Maya hits you with some policy questions, uh, for, I'm going to ask you a question, then I'm going to ask you for the sake of the people listening on the podcast, okay. to just to give rough boundaries of the 46 wards so they know exactly what we're talking about. Go for uh, it. And the communities in it. 
But uh, the question has to do with the history of the 46th Ward politics. And Helen Schiller is here. I remember so many campaigns in the 80s and the 90s, really like margins like this, that daily bringing these guys with thick necks to uh, support whoever's running as Helen. I'd be writing my little crusading columns for the reader. Uh, you won with 64% of the vote. That's what I asked you before we came on. What was the percent you, you won? So, after you give the rough boundaries of the 46th Ward, let's never get that part of the question, uh, explain how it was that you were sort of able to break that model, if you will, uh, be a person running from the left to get 64% of the vote uh, in the 46th Ward. One minor correction is we won by 64% of the vote, right? I never sit in this seat by myself. I will never sit in this seat by myself. Um, and that's why we won. So our boundaries, if you do not know, is we go as far south as just past Addison, right? If you come down the lakefront, we go just past Lawrence. We, we used to go to Argyle, but that's a whole nother story. And then we go as far west as Clark Street, except if you are going down Irvin Park, we go up to Ashland. Um, indivisible boundaries, but they matter. And the real true reason why we had such a great campaign is because we were able to merge the past and the present. I'm not too, I've never done this job before, right? Campaigning four years ago, we had nothing. We just had knowledge. We didn't have any money. We didn't have an office. We didn't have staff. We just had people. And so taking that knowledge and seeing what we could do with so little, obviously going to people who had done this successfully for multiple terms, and then going around and telling our neighbors the truth, right? Like, this is what's at stake here. I think that's really what pushed us over the edge. Yeah, I uh, covered your first campaign in 2019 when I was working at The Reader, and I remember, I mean, the operation was you sitting at everybody's coffee. You got it. it was, <laughs> that was it, and you uh, had a lot of confidence in your message, and um, it was incredible to see this time around the hundreds of thousands of dollars spent by the real estate interest to try to beat you, and still you winning by this, this great of a margin. Um, so I'm actually very curious... You know, since you got into office, what's been the relationship, the rapport, like w that real estate lobby? Was that a call you got when you, you know, when you assumed office? This is, this is a ward that has a lot. This is the last kind of corner of North Front Lakeside that there's still a lot of room to develop and a lot of interest by develop developers. Um, so I'm very curious to hear, you know, what have you heard from these folks who tried so hard to not get you elected? Yeah, I've gotten a lot of fun calls. <laughs> what, what, kind of, what do they say? What um, kind of calls? You know, and I, that's just the human in me is I don't really hold grudges like that, honestly, because at the end of the day, we have to work together. They're, we cannot be polarized to the point where we can't find a happy medium. So I think they understand that now. I think within any competition, like a campaign, it's just may the best man win. And so once you get over that hurdle and you say, okay, I see that you're going to be in this position for a while. Um, this is where we can meet in the middle. So I've had great conversations. I've not cut anybody off. I think they all understand that I want to make sure that as we continue to build up our ward, that we are doing it effectively and equitably, right? It can't just be that 
you only want one type of structure to be in our ward. Let's think outside of the box. Let's get innovative and and let's really place um, because these buildings stay here for so long, right? My the building that I'm in is almost 100 years old. So you have to think about the longevity of that structure, and not just in the moment, but for the future too. I mean, what kind of asks do these people have? Like, I'm just so no curious. ask yet. What, no what ask they? yet. If anybody's in the room, I'll be outside. Like, what is their approach? Uh, not you know, they've just been nice. They've just been friendly. They just want to make a connection. They just want to let me you know know that they are here, and we've kept it. As basic as that. I think, you know, as the time comes and as we look around our ward and look at the possibilities that they'll come with more ass. But right now, everybody's just been on the surface. So it's not one of those things where people that you knew were vehemently against you suddenly walk into the room and then you go, oh, look who's here. Always. <laughs> Always. Well, Always. Well, well. Yeah, no, the, the night of the inauguration, the ball was a ball. <laughs> because there were tons of folks in there that, again, you, this was just a competition. And so now the gloves are off. Now the work begins. And so it doesn't, it doesn't help either one of us to continue to hold this energy. Let's get to work. Uh, so one of the big factors, uh, driving gentrification in any community, uh, and, uh, Uptown, Pilsen, et cetera, and so forth, are property taxes. And uh, I believe that the left has been slow to recognize this, to put it mildly, uh, despite my attempts fail to try to educate them to this issue. Um, so I know you know this. So when you, you're dealing with a community that you want to remain balanced, you're dealing with a community that you want to, remain, to have affordable housing in it, how do you communicate this to the, uh, the administration, the people downtown, that you can't sign on to a budget with a hefty property tax. Yeah, because I don't think people understand that property taxes literally get trickled down to everybody, right? Not only do they impact people who are homeowners, but if you're a renter, a part of your rent is property tax, right? And so that's been the that's been the fine line to toe here is because it feels like the city of Chicago, whenever we have a deficit or whenever we have a call, that's the only thing that we run to is property taxes. And it's really putting a strain on our entire city, not just this ward. We have black owners out south who are also feeling the pinch of, and they've been living in their house for 30 years, right? So it it has come to a point where we have to get creative. We have to think outside of the box. We have to shift some of this responsibility around because we're shooting ourselves in the foot if we think that this is the only way that we can solve all of our problems. But it's a tool. It's a tool that we have to use. It's a tool that, again, we have to make sure that it's not going to be a double-edged sword for us in the long run. So uh, I remember when Sue Sadlowski Garza came into office, she goes, I will never vote for a property tax increase. I, I did not keep track to see if she kept to that pledge. I know in the first budget she voted against it, I want to say, because it had a property tax increase. Do you do you subscribe to that Sadlowski Garza? I'm not a garza okay? Um, I'm just a realist. I think that every budget is different. I think, honestly, you have to look at it as it comes through. I honestly think that we have to really... Again, think about the long-term effects of this because we can say, yes, a property tax increase will give us X amount of dollars right now. But in the future, if people continue to leave because our property taxes are too high, we're not going to have that 
X amount of dollars to pull from, right? So I think it's a budget by budget basis. It honestly depends. So uh, the big conversation with housing and taxes right now is revolving around the Bring Chicago Home Ordinance um, and uh, the idea of funding solutions to our housing crisis with a special tax for very high-value real estate transactions, basically. Um, Talk a little bit about how Bring Chicago Home uh, would impact your ward. So both from the perspective of uh, the kind of commercial transactions that would be uh, impacted here and the homelessness prevention services that you stand to gain. Yeah, so the 46th Ward is really unique when it comes to Bring Chicago Home because we have both. Uh, We are sitting in a multi-million dollar mansion for those that are listening and those that are in the room. We also are less than a mile away from a tent encampment, right, that has multiple communities that have erected. So this is one of those things that's very unique because there's only going to be a small percentage of properties that are really impacted by this. And the the reward outweigh the risk right now, honestly, because if you think about the longevity of where these tent cities continue to erect themselves, for God's sakes, our own mayor, we're thinking about putting tents to to address our migrant crisis right now, you have to get really, you have to double down and say something's got to give. So I think Bring Chicago Home is going to impact my community both ways. It's going to make sure that the neighbors who can afford it can actually pitch in to the longevity of getting our house's neighbor's house. And I think that our ward is very unique because we have people who want to help. They just don't know how to help. And so this is just a tool, again, that's going to impact a very small amount of people, but it will have a greater impact. Have you heard from constituents urging you to not support I have. I've heard from constituents all over the city. You know, they do great organizing, too, um, to say no to this. But it is also, again, you can't say no to something. And this is the solution that we have that is going to literally impact so many lives. Um, If we don't do something about our houseless neighbors, right, it's going to trickle into a catastrophe outside of what we're seeing now. I just have to ask you a question about this process. This, I have this vision of all these different people talking to you, and you're so young. And I'm just having a vision of you in the city council where people come up to you and go, okay, so here's the deal. Man, da, 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 da. So what do you respond? Are you one of those, uh, have you learned the art of being noncommittal? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I mean, because, again, you can't, you can't plant your feet too hard. Right. Because there's always new information arising. There's always opportunities to pivot. So, yeah, no, I give everybody their fair chance. Go ahead. Talk. I'm listening. Tell me what you got. And then again, we'll come back and we'll compromise on that. So that's how you do it. Yeah. No, you got to. You got to give everybody their space to to get it off their chest, to get their ideas. Even if you agree or don't agree, you give them the floor to have that space. That's so fun. I couldn't last one minute in the city council. I'd be like, Are you? You out of your should mind? hear the conversations that come over that wall. <laughs> everybody grabs you, everybody stops you, and then in the moment you're just like, "You got thirty seconds." That's been forty-five seconds, sir. Wait, time out. You say that to him sometimes. Wait, so who are you saying this to? Other aldermen or anybody? 
Do you know how long these city council meetings are? Yeah. With no food? Yeah. Come on now. Come on. You're, you're like, you're, you know who Steve Harvey is? Of course. Okay, Steve Harvey had that thing. I'm walking down the hallway. No one talked to me because I'm really busy. If I say hello to everybody that talks to me, that's It's an instant conversation. <laughs> they just bounce you around. They just, they just keep coming in line. And so you'll never get out of there if you don't put up some boundaries. But it's still great conversations. Yeah, you got 30 seconds. 30. Don't talk about the Cubs. Nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, since you mentioned it, you know I'm going to go there. Go. Uh, because um, I haven't made a secret about this. I'm so disappointed with our cities. I was talking to Helen about this right before the show. Response to this, quote, crisis of immigrants. Why quotes, Ben? Because I don't think it's a crisis. I think it's an opportunity. Oh, always. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, oh, absolutely. I, 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 we, I was just telling Helen this. I mean, for how many years they've been complaining we're losing people? Now people are coming to Chicago mm. and they're complaining. They can't even get it straight. They complain of too many. Now there's too much. I, I, uh, we sometimes still I don't are, understand Chicago. We still are one of the most racist urban cities on the face of the planet, Ben. So who's coming? Yeah. Is the question. Well, the, that, and it's, and it's, it's, it cuts a lot of different ways. Cause Chicago is like such a divided tribal city. Oh yeah. You know, so like, uh, I, I, so many black people I know are like, oh, Eddie, Eddie, they'll never do anything for us, but as soon as some Hispanic guy comes in, they're doing something for them. It, and, it, I can't really argue with that point. You but. can. <laughs> and it's something that again, I think as a city, we need to open up the space to have the hard conversation. A lot of the things that we are dealing with right now is because we haven't dealt with our own traumas from decades ago. And people have a right to feel how they feel. When you don't put people first and you don't value their lives, their health, their education, and they think just for a fraction that somebody is getting more than yes. them and they have spent their entire lives putting into this city, hell yeah, they got a right to be bad. See, it. so this is what I don't understand. So we have this quote-unquote crisis. That involves doing something that Chicago does. Maya was getting at this at the outset, at the drop of a hat, to build things. It's like one thing Chicago does, it's building things. When Helen Schurter took office, they were given a hard time because she was restricting developers from building things. Every per, First people I met in Chicago were hustlers who were selling real estate, building real estate, rehabbing real estate. All of a sudden, Chicago is incapable of building some freaking housing or rehabbing. I, I cannot understand this city, Angela. And then they, five months into an administration, they come up with a tent city proposal? Like, do they think we're stupid or something? It's a, it's a complicated conversation. That's what says to me, Angela. That is, it's real. I'm telling you, I have these complicated conversations about every six hours because I have to, you know, I have to really, be a human in this instance. We have to be a human and I have to be a politician to balance a budget, right? But these are folks' real lives that we're talking about. And if this is the opportunity that you're talking about is if we can do it for our new neighbors, we can do it for our neighbors that have been here for yes. decades. That's the opportunity here. Do you feel like you are getting an explanation that makes sense to you about why the solution is a tent city? Yeah, I do. Because nobody else in the state of Illinois is coming to help, right? This is a 
welcoming state. You all, the entire state of Illinois is a welcoming state. But unfortunately, Chicago has been the one bearing all of the weight of this crisis and opportunity. And so you do have to get creative. I wish that, again, we had taken care of our business decades ago, built affordable housing, had real places for our neighbors to move into. That's not the facts of the matter right now. And so as you think outside of the box, as you know that we have folks that are coming here daily, every single day by boat, plane, train, bus, you name it, they are coming here. And so we have to think on the fly about what can we do here? And right now we don't have the footprint that we would want because then our folks downtown and the real estate lobbyists will really be up and you know what? This is an opportunity that we have to say, okay, we have a very short window before winter gets here. I wish that we had the buildings, like when we closed all of our schools all around this city, those buildings are dilapidated. They are horrible on the inside. 14 to $15 million because we let them sit there instead of giving them back to the community to be repurposed. So again, those are the things that we haven't dealt with that have now gotten us to this point where we have to think outside of the box. And how does the this, uh, you know, let's call it the migrant crisis or, you know, the, the, the impact, how does, how is your ward impacted by the influx of folks being sent here to, as a political stunt, basically? What are you seeing in the 46th ward? Well, the 46th ward, again, I appreciate each and every last one of my neighbors because we've stepped up to the plate per usual. We have a temporary migrant shelter at the American Islamic College that has been really successful in not just getting our neighbors a safe, stable place, but we've also been moving folks out. The issue is that we haven't been able to move them out fast enough because people arrive every single day, right? So our ward has been amazing. We have stepped up. My office has been collecting everything that they need, toiletries, clothes. We're doing a coat drive, right? Neighbors every single day have been showing up, giving us everything that they have supposed to let go of two years ago. Uh, they've also showed up to our 19th police district on their own dime and are paying for and, and preparing food, right? Like our neighbors I'm extremely proud of because we could be like other neighbors and say no, right? But that's not going to solve the problem. That's not going to stop people from coming. So you have to really be appreciative when you come from a community that says, no, they are a part of this city now and we want to acclimate them and we want to do that as smoothly as possible. So we've we've definitely had an influx of new neighbors. Uh, I think the biggest challenge has just been on my office, if I could be completely honest with you, is because no one prepares you to get hundreds of new neighbors in five months, right? So have, and neighbors who have really big needs. And I, my Spanish isn't all that good. So, you know, the communication barrier is there, but we've been rocking and rolling. My shout out to my staff that's in the 46 ward because they have been doing their big one, honestly. And Just one more follow-up on that. When the mayor asked all the aldermen to propose sites for housing folks in their wards, what were the sites that you proposed? None. I don't have any sites. The decision to house our neighbors at the American Islamic College was above me. That was already a conversation that was having 
months before I was even in office. The developers of that space contacted the city and said that they wanted to help. They have this empty school that's just sitting there. Would you like to come take a look at it? They signed a contract and that was the conversation. So I shout out to the density in the 46th Ward. I don't have much other places to put them. And so that was a conversation that was had before me and it actually worked out really well. Well, we like to uh, open questions up to the audience. Oh, oh but, but <laughs> I see you, Frank. <laughs> uh, he generally gets the first question, sort of an honorary thing. But uh, before I do, uh, I want to ask you a question about uh, public education right now. Uh, and uh, it's kind of like for, there's so many other issues on the front burner in Chicago with, uh, with the buses coming in and where, where are people going to live and, and a whole struggle. Uh, I, it's amazing how little attention is being sp uh, spent to public education and the public schools. And you, as you were uh, telling your narrative about how you got involved with politics, so much of it took place at a public school. Uh, and so many of the great fights in Chicago over the last 30, 40 years have dealt with the public schools. Uh, Mayor Rahm, in his infinite non-wisdom, closed 50 of them. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> So your sense of where we are right now with the with the public schools again an opportunity uh, if new residents means new students yep. for the public schools uh, your sense of the dynamic of the public schools now with Mayor Johnson who used to work for CTU uh, so there's more maybe there's more going to be a little uh, less tension between the public schools and the, and the uh, mayor's office. Your thoughts? Yeah, so I think this, again, is that opportunity that we're talking about with our new neighbors coming. A lot of people can complain, but y'all, CPS is thriving, okay? Our schools welcomed our new neighbors with open arms, which means more money, which means the entire school benefits, which means that we get to get creative and get language arts and we get to get resources in the form of more soccer. It, we get more resources overall. And so I think as we're thinking about our public education system, shout out to every CPS student, teacher, parent, because public education is so important. That is literally the backbone of this city. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Because our folks who send their babies to public education institutions usually work in the city and they are also making barely ends meet, right? So this is the ecosystem that now we have an opportunity to really benefit from. We need to have good paying jobs for our teachers and for our SICAs and for our bus aides and for everybody that has their hands in the pot of public education. I think Jen Johnson, shout out to the great Jen Johnson, deputy mayor who's overseeing education right now. Her brain thinks so widely. She's been thinking about the opportunities before we got to this point of receiving new neighbors. She's been thinking about how do we really make the community and the public education system work hand in hand. Uplift Community High School has a sustainable community school system, you all. And if you are not familiar with SES, you need to know. Sustainable community schools basically means that your school is a part of your community. It's open later. They have, um, they have things and resources for parents to do, like financial education workshops, or how do you go through the immigration process. They also are letting students in on making decisions about their curriculum, right? I would love to learn about Tupac. 
Nobody gave me that option, but now they do, right? Wait, that's another hour conversation. Come on, come you know on. They just indicted someone for murder. I know that's so okay, crazy. Yeah. I could I could talk Tupac for all. Okay, well you go you go to a CPS school and they'll let you. Okay. <laughs> no, stop with the Tupac conversation already. Uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson, you misquoted. It wasn't Tupac who said that thing. All right, sorry, I didn't even go there. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? No. He said, uh, "What was the?" Thank you. Do you know that was not Tupac who said that, right? Some some uh, heavy metal band said it. Oh. And so Mayor Johnson goes, as Tupac said, and I'm like, uh, no, you didn't. <laughs> it was the hologram of Tupac there. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Very good. Uh, so I, I want to ask, since you brought up uh, the mayor's office, uh, you know, you, you are seen as like part of this kind of lefty coalition that got into office in the city council along with this new mayor that we have, um, who was also buoyed by this co same coalition. Um, you're all part of the same movement. Um, now that you're, you know, you're in it, you're in the work, you're in council, um, what is it like to disagree with this, with this mayoral administration? Um, what are, how does it work when you're just not on the same page? You actually get to pick up the phone. <laughs> you actually get to have the conversations instead of waiting for aides to come and talk to you. And, is that and what you, they told you happened before? That's what everybody told me happened before, is you had to go through this door to get through that door to possibly get to that door, and then maybe the mayor will hear you. He's got an open-door policy, and the folks around him really take what we say to heart and take it back up to him. So... Even if there is some confusion or some miscommunication or some, I have no idea what this is going to impact us. Can we really sit down and talk? They're, they're open. And so I really appreciate that because again, as a new alder, I'm still figuring out where everybody works and what department do you oversee and who are you and who are you? And so having that clear line of communication to say, nope, this is this person you need to talk to. And if you have any questions, pick up the phone and call me has been awesome. Yeah. And what's actually like the biggest, I guess, part of the learning curve, like you get in there, you, you have this organizing background, you know, you've been outside on the picket line, pressuring the people inside city hall for so many years to get things done for your community. Now you cross that threshold. Is there anything that you see in there that you're like, oh, like, this is how this works, or like, I wish this is something I knew when I was out on the picket line, um, or something that's baffling to you? Oh my gosh, this question. Baffling. Um, what is baffling to me is the amount of time that we spend in city council that is just people talking. <laughs> and not actually doing anything. I'm really like, okay, where's the meat and potatoes? Yeah. Okay, do we get to vote now? Are we going to have a discussion here? Are you just going to talk? Um, that is one thing. I think the other thing is really just a chain of commands. There's a lot of hierarchy in the city of Chicago. And so trying to figure out who's your point person and is it you? Oh, no, you have a boss too? Okay, let me talk to that boss. Um, I have just started going to commissioners and introducing myself and building a relationship with them and then letting Letting that trickle down into our staff building relationships um, because it really is frustrating when you're like, I just want to get a tree trimmed. Who do I call to get a tree trimmed around this? And you have to make a call, yeah. you know? And so that's one thing that I do appreciate is really figuring out who are the key players behind the scenes because everybody thinks it's the mayor. Yeah. 
it's other folks. <laughs> there are people in, in power and in place for a reason. And those are the people that you got to go to. That's so true. Uh, I remember Helen had that, hey, Dave, like knew everybody in the city. Can I remember him, Helen? Uh, what a character he was. I lost track of him. Uh, but, like, did he? That's good. You missed That's it, man. Yeah. I did miss it. It was beautiful. I, yeah, I know. I should have been there. Um, anyway, so there's always that guy. You know what I mean? Like, in the bowels of City Hall, knows how everything runs. You got to get to that guy. Yep. And uh, forget the mayor. The mayor doesn't know anything. <laughs> you got to uh, get to the guys you gotta or get, the gals. Or the gals. Somebody is making it happen. Uh, so you want to so, open it up? Yeah, yeah let's, let's open go. It up. I know Frank. Hey, dying. Frank. <laughs> <laughs> let's hear your question. Mm. Uh, uh, let me just repeat it so the uh, make sure we get it on the recording. Will you support a progressive city income tax to wean Chicago off of the property tax code? I think that that is an awesome question and an opportunity, right? You got some papers that we can go over it. Let me look at it, right? This is the art. You got to say, show me what you, show me what you got. Right. Because I, I think anything is possible right now. Again, just sticking to property taxes is getting old and it's, it's shooting ourselves in the foot. But again, it's the only thing that we have that we could potentially even just make a small increment to make a change in. But I think that that's a possibility, Frank. Uh, right here. Hey. So whack. Oh, you you repeat it, Ben. Um, how am I feeling about the elected representative school board? Because the boundary lines to the map have been pushed back, and folks can potentially win um, with thirty percent of the vote. So my issue with our elected representative school board is again is like we know that this is something that we need, but we didn't put enough effort and attention into the flesh out part, right? Because you're right. There are people who could finagle and get in without a lot of people supporting them and knowing them. And they will have a real seat at the table when it comes to our public education system. So I'm all for an elected representative school board. I think that's a no brainer. I think we really need to use this opportunity that is being pushed back. And there's some some things that we need to tie up because there are some loopholes that people could use and it could be detrimental to our schools. I just wanted, before we get to the next question, on that same note, um, what has it been like interfacing with the new police district council? Do you, How many do you have in your ward? Yeah, I've got 19 and 20, so six folks in total. They're awesome. You know, a part of this is that collaboration piece and the levels, right, of eyes and ears on a situation, especially as something as big as, I call it community safety, Public safety feels like you're talking about somebody outside of me. Community safety me means me. And so our district councils have been awesome. They've kept an open door policy. They have made sure that they bring whatever resources they have out into the community. They've really engaged with our community to say, come and talk to us. So I'm really proud of all of their work, and I can't wait to continue to see what they build. And is there, does it feel like the relationship with the you know, the, the, the actual police department districts, the, the commanders and the 
the people in charge of the of the cops in the department in this area does that feel like they're you know a, a fruitful oh man i love my cpders okay don't get that on camera and tape too okay <laughs> please for the record, in four years, okay? Um, no, my my higher-ups in CPD in our 19th and 20th police district have been awesome. I've had to interface with them more than I guess I would have wanted to being a new alder because of the situations that go on in the city of Chicago. But they have been super helpful, right? They've come anytime I make a call, albeit when I see their names pop up on my phone, I get to shaking. Um, but it's been a great relationship where they understand that this is a partnership, where they know that and my 19th uh, commander says it all the time. We can't police our way out of this. There are only one section in community safety. And so to put all of that weight and responsibility on them is unfair. We have to think holistically and think about how do we prevent some of these things from happening instead of blaming them for when they do happen, the response, the 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 blowback. So they've been extremely helpful. You know, in the last mayoral election, you know this, the last campaign went through was an either or thing. You were for the police or you were against the police. Uh, Brandon was uh, uh, called a defunder. He was against the police. And then, you know, in the campaign, he actually said, I am not going to defund the police to t- try to take that off the the table, Vallis kept hitting with the, uh, again, Vallis, did Brandon win the 46? You know he okay. did, Ben. <laughs> Just wanted to ask that I question. mean, you know, uh, <laughs> folks uh, outed themselves during this election, we'll say that, yeah. but he won. <laughs> that, everything, uh, oh yeah, no, 44th, Brandon won the 44th too. Uh, good job, Tom Tunney. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Helen, I know he's a friend, but I'm, I couldn't resist. Uh, so, what kind of evolution have you gone on this? Because, like, you know, you were a radical kid running around, probably didn't like the police very much. I, you know, and I, I wish people would understand this. I grew up with a beat cop, okay? Officer Foote, if you are on my team, you know this gentleman's name. This guy's name was actually Officer, Officer Foote. Foot. Okay, maybe it was a nickname because he stuck his foot somewhere. I don't know. But I called him Officer Foote, okay? Every... What, <laughs> he was really an amazing human, right? He showed up at the parks and he actually interacted with folks on the basketball court. He knew that if we were out past curfew, I'm about to tell your grandma, your mama, and your daddy, right? That was a relationship that I grew up with that I fostered. I have CPD all around me, friends, family, and everybody in between. And so I think for me, the evolution for me as I've been in this role is to really understand how much pressure our police officers are put in and also how little they don't have anywhere to cope or really take care of their mental health, right? They don't have a space where if you are on call for six days and you're seeing murders, stabbing, shootings, you need to go talk to somebody, right? Because you're carrying around this energy, not just into the next day of work, but into your personal life. You're not the best for your family, right? So that's, I feel like the evolution that I've been in this role to say, yo, we need to help them make sure that they have coping mechanisms and mental health training as well, because we're putting, we're asking humans to lay their lives on the line and they're doing it willingly. But we also got to preserve them for 
the long run. They have to make it back home to their families too. So I really appreciate, you know, we've got an event coming up where we're going to be doing coffee with cops just because we need to get to, uh, we, we need to get to know them. You have to know who the folks are that are going to be protecting and serving this community so that we can build those stronger bonds. And you're not getting blowback from the coalition that elected you? No, because they understand that this is a part of the movement. This, you can't work in silos and think you just cut something off and then the whole world is unicorns and rainbows no you have to do this together and i think that'll eventually lead us to making sure that we don't have to always depend on the police officers what about the other uh side of the coin uh, so maya talked about you getting blowback from your your allies what about the people that uh the Vallis voters in the ward are they now saying oh you know what she's buying bad. the coffee for oh the coffee my gosh oh my gosh I've heard it all already y'all I have heard that I am not allowing them to do their job or I am telling them to hold off on criminals and I'm like when does a police officer ever listen to a black woman <laughs> like honestly you know like this is no shade but you think I have that much power that yeah. they think about me during a traffic stop yeah come on now uh, <laughs> Uh, there was a question over yeah, here. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I've been listening to this brief for over a few years, and some, some of the stuff I've seen uh, kind of tricked me a little bit, especially when I went to a police station and saw these other migrants sitting on the floor, and I was just really not aware of that. But I felt aware of homeless people as well, because I think we need to, you know, hence you said, bring Chicago home to a unified position to get people housing, to have housing like human rights, not, not, not if you're in a prison or anything like that. But the one thing that also really disturbed me was, like, the archdiocese, Liberal property, real estate companies, especially in this ward where I live in the Fort Erie, and among other places, profit heavily off these areas. And I thank you for making so much money off the city of Chicago. Sure, I mean, I was hoping that would it be possible? Is there any way that you and the progressive alders would freshen as a thank you to Chicago to maybe give up some of the housing to the migrants with liberal houses and living dignity? You want to repeat that, Ben? He's got some pipes, number one. Okay. <laughs> 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 Have you ever thought about a career in broadcasting? <laughs> uh, I'm going to translate it. Go. Uh, it was a great riff. I'm going to translate it. So uh, the archdiocese doesn't pay property taxes in exchange for that very generous uh, benefit that they achieve. How about uh, suggesting to them, convincing to them, that they use some of their property uh, to uh, house uh, the, uh, the homeless? You're talking about churches, Yeah. You, you, you're talking about churches, yeah? Churches and also real estate companies. Okay. Like, and they donate property, maybe, uh, make it so much money. I mean, I don't think they still they use their golden toilets and donate property to the migrants and probably homeless people as well. So, just an idea. So, so. The short answer is yes. I think that this is, again, a call to not just the archdiocese to just point them out, but to all of our faith-based leaders and organizations in the city of Chicago. I think that, again, doing the Lord's work means that you have to sacrifice some things. The beauty of it is, I'm glad that you asked that question, because here in the 46th Ward, we have an amazing Catholic church right behind us, St. Mary's on the Lake. Shout out to Father Manny, because our office was able to connect Father Manny with a non-for-profit in our ward to say, hey, can you all potentially create a partnership here where we have neighbors who attend mass at your church? 
Father Manny and the Archdiocese are trying to pay up people's rent that go to their church that are from our, you know, migrant temporary migrant shelter so we've already started to do that here at the 46th ward and so i'm hoping that it's successful it's not an overnight thing right any anything dealing with a faith-based organization is not as easy as it looks but it is a conversation that i'm glad i'm glad that we're having and we're starting here in the 46th ward to show other folks around the city it's possible we all have to step up to this crisis right now honestly it can't be just what is the city of chicago doing You've seen what we've doing. We, we've been doing it for years. We, we have a problem. And so we can't just think with a switch of a new mayor and a new city council that everything will be, you know, magically fixed. This is a, a issue for all of us to solve. And do you, so you, you refer to, um, the migrants in your ward as, you know, new neighbors. And I feel like around the issue of, um, you know, homelessness and unhoused people, a lot of conversations happen about like this issue, but, uh, there have been, there's been a presence of unhoused people in your ward for many, many years. It's kind of, uh, it, the large communities have formed here over the years that precede the, um, the, the kind of migrant crisis. Um, so as an older person, how do you, what do you, what are, how are you interfacing and communicating and connecting with um, the unhoused neighbors for the, the people who's all, you, you are their alderman as well? The same way I do with each and every housed neighbor in this room. I go knock on their You've already done that kind of outreach. Absolutely. I would be a fool to not go over there and talk to my neighbors that are living in tents. Absolutely. They are still neighbors, right? And so... I think when when you are in this political seat, people try to pressure you in, into a hierarchy of who you should talk to and who you should prioritize. My hierarchy is a little different. It is to go to the people who have nothing first. Go talk to them first. Ask them what they need, what resources are available. That's my job as an elected official. I wouldn't be in this role effectively if I didn't take what the city has to offer out to the people. And they are our neighbors, right? And so we have communications with them on a monthly basis. Uh, next week we're going out and we're actually doing a, a joint event with DFSS to do some rapid housing placements. We're doing cleanups. We're making sure that the, their homes are clean and tidy and that they're prepared for the winter as much as possible. And obviously my end result is to get them housed. Now, a lot of people don't understand that this is, a, again, a complicated co conversation because... You can go out there and offer people to stay in a shelter, but nobody wants the bed bugs. Or some shelters don't take their pets. Or some shelters don't take their pets. Or you can only come with two bags. And if you, I really encourage everybody in this room to go have a conversation or volunteer with our neighbors that are unhoused. Because it will give you an entire different perspective of the capitalistic society that we live in. There are people out there with PhDs, you all, living in tents. There aren't just people who one day decided that they want to be, we call them urban pioneers, by the way, give them their credit, okay? Because again, there are other folks who go camping and, and hitch their tent for a week, okay? Why can't they do the same along a beautiful lakefront? 
So this is, again, it's perspective here. And so absolutely I go out and make sure that we have a connection to our our neighbors in tents, our new neighbors who are here, who are arriving, who are going to get resettled here in the city of Chicago. That's what this city is built on. It's making sure that the people who don't have get it. And so that's all that, you know, people use this political seat for clout or to to get their friends big contracts. That's not what I'm here for, y'all. I'm here to make sure that the people who got me in this seat, and even if you didn't get me in this seat, guess what? My office is open and it's a resource for you. You can pick up the phone, you can call, and we're going to prioritize you too. Any other questions? Oh, sorry. Rock, paper, scissors. Go ahead. Yeah, I think again. So the question is, how oh, yeah. how do you Repeat forecast development in the next in the next few years, and what are you in a position to do to um, prevent or reduce uh, displacement or gentrification? And am I getting that right? Okay. Yeah. So good question, Joe from Block Club. Uh, we are. <laughs> <laughs> the future, you know, Joe tried to sneak in here. He's also a constituent, so he really like, is mine. Okay, <laughs> yeah, just um, ignore me. The future of development, I think, looks like some real creativity, Joe. Right? So, for instance, we have a project that was just um, rehabbed at Highway Terrace at Lawrence and Sheridan, full um, senior affordable housing building beautiful. They have a Zen garden in the back room. They have a hair salon in there for our seniors. They have a clinic space so that when doctors come in, they can actually see patients in the homes that they live in. We also have a development that's going up right where the old Burger King was. I hope you all went and said goodbye. It is on, (laughs) it's right at Irving and Clark, right? You remember we had one of the last Burger Kings standing Irving and Clark, next to a senior. Moment of silence, RIP. <laughs> and that's where a lot of our seniors who live in the three affordable buildings behind it would congregate, right? And so I think the, the future of development in the 46th Ward is just that. It's creative. It is thinking about the community that it is going to benefit that's already here, right? I also think that my office's role in displacement is just making sure that it's an equitable balance. I'm super proud that we have Sarah Circle opening up uh, an entire project, a number two project in our ward that we know the good work that they do, right? And so that's going to benefit not just people in our ward, but all around the city. People come to the 46th Ward, you all, because we have the resources coupled with the housing. That is why people here. And so I think that the the future of our development just looks like getting creative. It looks like real community input. And it looks like some longevity that families will actually be able to benefit from. The lake doesn't hurt either. The lake is beautiful. That's just our backyard. (laughs) The lake does not hurt. 
joy or fun? What's a moment of joy or fun you've had in Uptown recently for folks that are listening? I get to repeat that question. It's a good practice to do it. Okay, I'm going to do that. I've been trying to breathe more, so I'll keep repeating things. Um, Joy. Oh, man. You know what? I can't even hold you. It was the first day of school. It was the first day of school, you all. I got a chance to bounce around to all of our neighborhood schools and really connect with babies on the first day of school and see the excitement that they had in their eye to go to our neighborhood schools. I got a chance to talk to my principals and say, hey, what do you need? How's it going? And get the real from them. Um, so that joy for me because... You know, apparently all of my young people saw me on YouTube for four months, right? And so they recognize my face now. I'm like a local celebrity among 13 and, and under. Um, so literally, well, I am. I, I didn't even know. Uh, they really liked the message too. So it was, it was great. So as I walked through hallways and to hear, is that Angela Clay? Is that Angela Clay? Like, Yes, yes, it is. It is, it is I and I am you. And you can just having that connection where people understand, like, I came from the same background as you. I came from the same circumstances and you too can be this or better or whatever you want to be. That was a real joyous moment for me. Thanks for that. <laughs> there was another question over here. Yes. So the question was, how do we make Uplift Community High School our neighborhood high school in the 46th war? Because it has been. It just needs to be deemed. Right. So um, my first two months in, I went to the the board meeting. We have a new board president. She he's amazing. We've had conversations uh, offline to make sure that he knows that this is a commitment of mine. And it's also just a great look for the entire ward like Uplift Community High School you will hear me shout to the heavens is an amazing high school it crafted this woman that you have in front of you because I had teachers that went that I would run into at Jewel right I had teachers who actually would be like did you do your homework you know it's due tomorrow like I'm getting my grapes and I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna do it that relationship is something that you really need at a critical part as we all know is high school so we are doing a tour with the CPS board uh, this upcoming month they're gonna go all throughout the building see our amazing pool if you don't know Uplift Community has a pool you should definitely take advantage of and then we're gonna make sure that it gets passed by CPS because this is and we're also investing TIF funds so the entire front of the facade some of the things that we realize is people don't know it's a high school right there right we know it's a high school right there if you know you know but just from off of Wilson Avenue and the the main area we're gonna spruce it up so next year they're gonna break ground that just passed through finance and city council at the last city council meeting and for listeners who may not be familiar with these dynamics in the neighborhood like this is a CPS school that wasn't the designated neighborhood yeah. high school? Yeah, so uh, historically it is Joan F. Arrive Middle School. If you are in the 46th Ward, you, your aunt, your mom, your grandma probably went to Joan F. Arrive Middle School. It then converted into a high school under the Renaissance 20. 
2020, right? Okay. I can't believe we're past 2020 right now. That's my brain. Um, and so when it converted into a high school for a small portion, they kept the middle school section. And so we had a clear feeder school from middle school to go into the high school. But because it was never deemed the official neighborhood school, as every neighborhood has, People just bypassed us because we didn't have a clear path from if you graduated eighth grade at Brenneman, which is a half mile away, you would literally just go to Uplift. And if you wanted to go anywhere else, you could choose to do so. But right now, since we haven't been deemed the neighborhood high school, we are competing with every other high school in the city of Chicago for students. So it's left us in a space where we have been under enrolled for a few years and it's left us in this balance because it's a huge, beautiful space. It is an amazing uh, administration on the inside that is really pushing for the longevity. And they really produce amazing students. Like, I, I have some of my friends and colleagues who have gone and done amazing things from graduating from there. So uh, it's Uplift Community High School, 46 Ward, neighborhood, high school all day. Yeah, no, I, and uh, shout out, Helen. I remember... Uh, the, the the Navy school was going to go there. Remember that? Yeah. Helen? And uh, Helen Schiller was like, yeah. And she said, uh-uh. She's like, what, Tumbo? Uh-uh. That's a basketball <laughs> reference, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, and they were also state champs of basketball. Did you Man, know Man, did I know that I was there during the heyday, okay? <laughs> okay. Thanks. You got to go check out a game, y'all. Uh, basketball season is approaching. Football season is, is slowly dying down. But please... <clears throat> If you are in the 46th Ward, a part of your responsibility is to get involved. It's just in the ethers. You got to get involved in some way. And so if your connection is to children or to education, you have fundamental pillars right here in your ward that could benefit from you. If you just want to go and volunteer at a homecoming game or if you just want to go and watch a game or you really are an educator and you want to get involved because they are a sustainable community school, it is open to the entire community's input. So please go show our school some love. This is a question right here. God bless you, brother. How do I keep myself motivated in uh, the midst of all of the chaos and adversity that comes with 
doing good work. Um, I think it really, I think it really is. I've had to say that this is day by day, right? I think as humans, we think that we have to harbor this energy because we got somebody that didn't want to talk to us in the moment or didn't want to listen to us right then and there that it could never be done. But there are people that I canvassed four years ago that I know said, uh, uh-uh, uh, that when I came back to them four years later, were like, let me hear you out. Right. And so don't get stuck in the moment. Don't think that that is the forever response. If you know that you have a goal in mind and you know that this is going to be beneficial for others, it will come. Right. I, I promise you, I am a, a little bit of a, a millennial when I say if you dream it, it will come. If you have a mission, you don't have to have all of the moving pieces to say, this has got to go here. I got to get this person. If you truly believe in that mission, everything that you need to make it come to fruition will come. So day by day, everybody's not going to hear you in that moment and that's okay, but you have a mission that's greater than you. And eventually you will have every piece that you need to make it come true. Keep up the good work. Talk about it. That's me, Ben. Okay. Uh, how do we not work ourselves to death? Is the question what in the city of Chicago. What can you do for your position as an alderman? Oh man. I th- okay. To, to ameliorate this problem for young people. So one, uh, right? Because it's me, right? I am Jesus. <laughs> I tell people I uh, I can swim in water. I can't walk on it. Um, so to answer your question, brother, because I think that's a great question, especially from. Th- the 40 and under crowd, we are understanding that this is a real rat race. And like, there is no way off of the rat wheel. Right. And so where, where, where do I get to lay down and where do I get to find rest and where do I get to plan? Because you can't even plan. You, you are living month to month. You are trying to do the right thing and put away 10%. And then you got to dip into that by week two, right? And so what I think is really, again, looking at these sectors of work and saying, are they getting not a fair pay, but a livable pay? You have to be able to live off of the salaries, these jobs that people are working because you all are the backbone of this city. Gig work, restaurant work, hospitality work. This city runs off of tourism, right? And so you all have to understand your place and your position and leverage that. I think city council, the new alders that are on there are semi under 40, right? And so we understand the paycheck to paycheck. We understand the 
the stress that comes with not having the opportunity to actually plan for your future. You told us to go, go to college, take out all these loans, go get a job. Now I got to pay the loan back. This money is not a lot. When do, where is the end goal here? So I definitely think it's making sure that our, our industries are making a livable wage one. And then I, I am a, a proponent of entrepreneurship. I think that we need to start teaching people how to be real business owners and really getting in because there is opportunities for us to plan for the future and use our brains and not always our bodies, right? But nobody's teaching us that. And so I think that we have an opportunity here to really say, teach me the game, coach. When you were uplifted, uh, we live in a capitalist society, as you mentioned before. Did, were you, did, did people teach you something like the difference between a stock and a bond? Never. I had to <laughs> learn that at City Hall. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I still don't. I think some of the people who ran our school system don't know what the difference is. When they were running, sorry, sorry if I'm insulting some of your friends, Helen, but back in the 90s <laughs> and the O's, they were always coming up with these stock deals or these bond deals. That were terrible. All right. One last well, question, right? Hold on. Yeah. I want to ask something. Piggybacking off that, so speaking of business opportunities, mm-hmm. speaking of your ward, mm-hmm. uh, what can you tell us about what's happening with the Uptown Theater? Baby, do you know something I don't? Spill it now, Maya, okay? Um, what we know is that there is a huge push to get the Uptown Theater up, baby. Um, I don't think there's anybody in this ward that wants it up more than <laughs> the people who have been seeing it deteriorate or just sit empty for decades. That place has been closed down since the 80s, y'all. Exactly. And if you've never been in there, see me afterwards because I have a video because I took a tour and it's amazing. It's amazing. Like my mind... Just seeing it from face value, walking past it on Broadway and maybe catching the door open, right, does no justice to what is in this building. And so I think now, obviously, is a little tighter because the price of everything has gone up. Not only has the cost gone up, but it is sat there, right? And so we need to put more money into it than we allocated or we thought that we could project in in the future. But I do think that there's going to be a real big push to make sure that that happens. Have you heard from the current owners? Absolutely. And what are they saying they're going to do? I love Jay. Jay is awesome. He's open. He needs to make sure that he has a partnership that's actually going to do the fundraising and the financial backing. And then obviously coupling that, we're working with our Chamber of Commerce. It is in a TIF district, right? And so trying to make sure that we are putting all of these pieces of the puzzle to get it back open, to make sure that it's a part of our community and it's vibrant and it's thriving. Um, because it's a gym, y'all. Uh, ben, you probably saw a, sh- a show there too. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Do you have uh, some thoughts about it being in a TIF district? Oh, yeah. And TIF money it, it, going no, to mean, support you know, this development been. project? Wait, I did not know this is what I learned. Uh, I always thought of it in the 48th Ward. I remember Marianne Smith, uh, was, uh, she was engineering that TIF. And your TIF, Helen, was on the other side of Lawrence. Cause I remember, uh, the Freed TIF, that building that he redid with the TIF winning. Uh, the, to me, this is, there's so much abuse of the TIF program. This is exhibit A of what the program was intended to do. Yep. Uh, at one level or another, you cannot make that a viable deal without uh, some kind of public money. And so what you allow them to do is spend the tax dollars would otherwise go uh, to the schools, et cetera, rebuilding this very important institution. 
So as much as I dislike how the city of Chicago has mutilated the TIF program, I would think this one, I always had a soft spot in my heart for Black Ensemble Theater. They got some TIF money. Because it's like, if you can't support the Black Ensemble Theater, I mean, what? Uh, you know. So I have my favorites, okay? They all happen uh, to be in the 46th Ward, man. Well, one, okay, that used to be in the 48th Ward. Was Black Ensemble Theater always in the 46th? So oh, the Black Ensemble now is split yeah. because technically their theater is in the 47, Memory. but they started in 46. Shout out to Jackie Taylor, Beacon. an amazing... Yes. Yeah humanitarian she started on beacon yes on beacon yes. yeah so yeah for what it's worth we used to have this game we used to play me and some um, tiff geeks we'd go to the community development commission meeting this shows how desperate we were <laughs> and we would listen to the debates uh and they all rubber stamped it because it was whatever mayor daly wanted we would listen to the debates and then we decide which how would we like today with mccarthy how would i vote would i vote to oust mccarthy or would i vote with the king <laughs> jeffries uh i mean would vote with the king jeffries to oust mccarthy or vote to keep men and that's what we used to we play games angela like would i vote for this tifty or what do you think i gotta I, get you out the house babe. the other guy <laughs> i know i'm weird I <laughs> we need you though that's good that's good we need weird people like you all right so i'll put you on the spot if you were a democrat in the congress today would you have voted to oust mccarthy or Ooh, mm-hmm. no comment i can't i can't put this on the uh, record I'm, yeah let, let, uh, let me just get back to like what her actual job is uh, <laughs> well, so thank you uh, all their all their people in the city of chicago have been getting flack for I mean, in recent years, a lot of flack for not really doing much legislating for most of the legislating they do being about building permits and signs and all this kind of stuff that takes up like an inordinate amount of time during a meeting and not doing much in terms of like introducing and trying to get new laws on the books in the city of Chicago. So, um, you know, Top three ideas you have for your first term in terms of introducing actual new legislation. Learn, learn, learn. Um, I think that we have a pretty nice uh, incoming crew of folks who have just come in and started to introduce a, a bunch of things. And so part of that takes it off of my back. But I really want to make sure that, one, first of all, nobody reads the municipal codes. You all need to read the municipal codes. They govern your life, right? Again, as a millennial who's trying to figure this out, that's my shout out. Go and read some of this municipal code stuff. It's hidden in there already. So I think one is just to educate people on what these codes actually say, do, and mean. Two, I want to make sure that we are really putting some power behind our young people. I don't know what that looks like yet, but I really think that we need to empower them more than we have, um, especially as a city. And so really putting that on the books is going to be top priority for me. And then just making sure that we are preserving and expanding affordable housing at every, at every corner. I think that as we grow as a city, as our median income grows around this city, that people need to understand that that is leaving a lot on the table, right? And so those are my ideas right now. But first, my is I got to learn this job. Well, I appreciate you for not you know, pulling random uh, ideas for new laws out of your ass. So. Thank you. <laughs> um, any other uh, questions? Yeah. 
Are you talking specifically for like bicyclists, for example? Scooterers. Yeah, so. Question about what you can do to move away from cars in the ward and to promote uh, alternative to car mobility. Yeah, so the beauty is, again, the bike grid is already outlined for us in the city of Chicago, so we just need to make that official. Secondly, here specifically in the 46th Ward, we ran with CDOT as soon as we got in here to do a study of our ward. Let's look at the infrastructure that we have. Let's see if this is sustainable, first of all, and let's put some bike lanes down. Let's make sure that people are following the laws, respecting the rules of the road, because Again, unfortunately, we are right off of Lakeshore Drive, right? And so people don't respect it as much as they should, especially when people are using other modes of transportation. So I want to make sure that we have real infrastructure in place to protect all motorists, cyclists, and everybody in between. I also want to make sure that our public transportation is effective. I take the bus, y'all. I take the train everywhere, okay? I get ghost busted too. I also, like, right? Like, I'm not immune to the city of Chicago just because I got this job. I also want to make sure that our Sheridan Red Line stop is actually upgraded to be ADA accessible. There are things that hinder where people move in our ward or how they move, right? I had a neighbor tell me that they have to go to Wilson just to even take the bus back to Sheridan because they can't get down the steps at Sheridan Redline. That's crazy, right? And so, again, if we know that this is an issue, if we know that this is a problem, we have to put everybody at the table on notice. CTA is on notice. Hey, guys, we got to do something about our red line stop over here at Sheridan. Thankfully, we are in a red-purple modernization uh, phase right now where a lot of our other stops have already been upgraded, but Sheridan is on top priority for me. All right. Any last questions? Okay, one more. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think when you are thinking about our war specifically is you can't think about development in any sense of the, the term without thinking about the effects that it's going to have on the entire community, right? Because obviously, who wouldn't want to live down the street from the Uptown Theater? Who wouldn't, right? And so unfortunately, we're getting to a point where if you can afford to, with you and three other roommates, live down the street from the Uptown Theater, that's what you'll do. But if you are a family that sends your babies to McCutcheon Elementary School, that's right down the street from the Uptown Theater, you may not have that leisure. And so absolutely trying to make sure that we do this again equitably, not just thinking in the moment, not just thinking this thing has been sitting here since the 80s, right? Just, just collecting dust but really thinking about how it will communicate and be a part of our community as well so that everybody can benefit from it. All right. Well, let's give Angela a hand. Thank you so Appreciate much for joining you. us. Appreciate you.